Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Hey, hey, we have a timely and super insightful interview today. I've got Dr. Brent Crow, author, gifted communicator, vice president, student leadership university, uh, which has been called one of the top leadership uh, training for Christian students in the world. So just let you know where what level they're leading at with SLU. He's a husband to Christina and a father to a whole pile of kids. And uh, just a reminder, folks, listen, we want to give away a stack of resources. So make sure that you leave a comment, a like. We want to know where you are listening from, and uh, we'll get that winner out to you soon. Welcome, Brent. Dude, how's the farm and crocodile life in the swamps of Florida? <laughs> well, thank you for that kind introduction, Scott. Yeah, we're doing good. We uh, we live out in cow country, USA, about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Orlando. And we're actually in the process of clearing about five acres uh, to for farm animals. So, um, uh, But I do it all wearing my Vans or my Chuck Taylors. And and so I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it all on the level. That's right. You, you're just working it out. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. The new style of farming. And you got what, six kids now? We do. We have uh, walked into the pandemic with three. Uh, and then we had the amazing privilege about in right at the beginning of the pandemic uh, in May, we received an email from a lawyer friend uh, who works in child advocacy. And there was these three amazing, beautiful kids that uh, needed a home. And there was a group of people who were trying to keep them out of the system. And so our lawyer didn't reach out to us thinking we would be that candidate. She was reaching out thinking that we might be able to connect with some other families. And yes, uh, lo and behold, our hearts, to use that John Wesley phrase, was strangely warmed. And mm. we fell in love with them instantly and, and felt like they were ours. And, and the miraculous process happened. And it was miraculous because it that we met them and they were in our home within a month and a half. And uh, so our family birthday now, this is fun, Scott, is June 30th. So every June 30th, we're going to throw a birthday party because that's our family's birthday. That's what we're saying. It's our family's birthday party. So love it. I love it. Love everything about it, man. And listen, we have a good time every time we get together. And I am so grateful that you came on and are sharing with us. And we talk about this topic of time management. And we do have a a great time every time we get together. And I was just remembering the last time we were together, I think it involved throwing axes, hitting golf balls <laughs> off the top deck, cr crushing golf carts and hanging out with Tadashi. 
Yeah, it did. And Tadashi brought a pretty good little word that night. We, were, <laughs> we went out and goofed off all day. And then he, he spoke and taught us that night. And it was the best of both worlds. You got to play and drive and then sit and learn and talk. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Really cool. Well, look, we've got a, a number of people that have jumped into this tribe with us. We've really grown from 60 to 3,000 since last April. And uh, we were checking the metrics last week. And we had 43 downloads of our content. So there's a good number of people on here. And some of them may not be familiar with Student Leadership University, the Lift Tour, Youth Pastor Summit. So just give me a brief um, intro so folks will kind of know what you're doing in those areas. Well, thank you, first of all, for even allowing me to be on with you and engage in a conversation. SLU is a leadership development journey for a middle and high school student that's designed to give them a 15 to 20 year head start in how to think, how to dream, and how to lead at the feet of Jesus. Hmm. Um, that's the heart of what we do. And so we have a series of conferences that all string together that create this journey. Uh, so one-on-one here in Orlando or San Antonio, we also do it in Southern California. The second level 201 is in Washington, DC. Third level is in London, Oxford, Paris, Normandy. So you got a lot of world history, church history. Um, 401 is the Holy Land. We go to the uh, Middle East and we're in Jordan and Israel and a couple of Palestinian territories. And so that's the journey. And we're really trying to help them see that leadership is devotional before it is practical. It's, it's my, the way I use my influence says something about who I am as a disciple. Uh, and that should be the first thought that goes through my mind. And so we're really trying to help them cultivate that kind of approach to, to influence. And then we've created this uh, tour that we do, which is very evangelistic in nature. Um, and then uh, called the Lift Tour. We do that in 20 some odd cities. And then we do what's called the Youth Pastor Summit, which is our gift back to youth workers, youth pastors, educators attend as well. And we'll do, I think this year, five of those across the country. Mm-hmm. have about seven to 8,000 youth workers, youth pastors uh, that'll be involved in, in those five experiences. So yeah. it's a lot, of fun, a lot of fun. Really cool. And what it means is that you are doing lots of things <laughs> at the same time, lots of coordination. And if you don't manage time well, you're going to sink. And, I, and I, one of the things I've just appreciated about SLU, uh, lots of thoughts, um, is just leading at such a big level. And that's, that's really what I wanted to bring you on today and, and just share, because this idea of time management is something that you have been doing well for a really long time and have had to, to be able to be successful. So I remember early in my career feeling really just paralyzed, Brent, from this gargantuan to-do list. And in the Watershed Principle booklet that I, I wrote back in the fall, and it talks about the six main areas of the church that need to be healthy for the church to be healthy where the sixth stream is called lead. Mm-hmm. And in there, I wrote great leaders understand that we don't find time for what's important. We make it. That's right. And we must be viciously committed to conquering the calendar. So here's my, my first question. I want to jump in with you. What's the downside for the leaders who don't take this seriously? Because you and I both know there are people who are going to be listening to this they're going to say, yeah, that's pretty good if you're in Omega or if you you got all this stuff. But, you know, normal people don't really have to keep. Listen, yeah. everybody needs to manage time. Well, what's the downside? And can you give an example? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, this isn't related to the question. But thank you for writing the watershed principle. I know it was born out of a lot of research, but uh, I got to read it for the first time a couple months ago. And I'm very excited about it being featured 
at uh, one of our youth pastor summits. I just think that idea is just, we need to saturate our conversations with the watershed principle. So thank you yeah, for bet. doing that. I, in preparation for our conversation, uh, Scott, I was trying to figure out how to summarize. There's so many downsides. Mm. Uh, so how do you break it down into just three uh, or summarize it into just three? I, I, the first one is if you don't manage your time, it will be a, a preventative to you building trust. And the reason I say that is because people won't see you as a, as a competent leader. So if you don't manage your time well, people make some pretty fault, some pretty sad assumptions, negative assumptions about you because you can't even manage you. So how can I trust you to lead mm -hmm. me? So you get viewed as a trust erodes and you can get viewed as an, as an incompetent leader. Um, the second, I think, consequence to not managing your time has to do with health. If you don't manage your time well, your physical health, your emotional health, your relational health, will something will be sacrificed, um, something will be shorted, and there will be a uh, consequence, temporary or, let's be honest, permanent. Yes. I mean, there's marriages that have fallen apart because there's pastors who are no longer married they didn't manage their time well, and their wife didn't know who that man was anymore. And so there can be temporary or permanent consequences to not managing uh, your time well. And then the third consequence I wrote down is uh, that if you don't manage your time well, then there's no margin for creative thinking or dreaming. There's no margin to wrestle with the big questions that have to do with some big issues in whatever subculture I may find myself, whatever city or region I may find myself, what would God, what, what would it look like if God got his way in this scenario? Well, I got to have the margin to wrestle through that. If I don't manage my time, I don't have the margin. For me, I, I love preaching. I love preaching. I love writing. I, I love what the Lord allows me to do. I love leading. I love, I love coming alongside and, and helping to develop and um, Lord knows I got a lot more developing myself to do, but for some reason he's placed me in a, in a, in a position where I'm allowed to do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a storyteller. When I preach, I, I, I believe strongly in story. Well, I looked up a few years back and I realized that my sermon prep would get short changed if I didn't manage my time well. Yeah. And because I'm a storyteller, I would lean on my strengths and here's what happens. If you don't manage your time well, one of the great consequences is your strength can become your weakness because you lean on it, you don't develop it. Hmm. And so I found that I was not giving sermon preparation the, the adequate time it deserved. Um, I was not stewarding that well. And the reason is because it was just people around me, not no ill intention, just taking a bite out of the calendar, taking a bite out of the day. And I look up and some of those important things I needed to do, like sermon prep, were getting shortchanged. And then I said, well, I'll just I'll just kind of wing it, you know. Yeah. And boy, that's in my mind, that was sinful. I had to repent of that. So those that, are great nuggets. And that's an example, I guess. That's a great example. And let me let me throw you a real world that, that just came up in a topic conversation that I was in. Second chair leader. Mm -hmm. He's he, he feels like he works hard. I'm sure he works hard. Um, but he's in a church that has expectations for hours, uh, office hours, and, and he wants to come in at 10 and leave at two or three um, because he's going to have some evening things. But 
but he's he's complaining that he doesn't have respect. He's not getting respect, right? What would you say to that leader? You know that that because he's getting beat up because he's not in the office necessarily at eight eight thirty or even by nine. <clears throat> a lot of times at the end of the day, when people stop by to drop off a check or whatever, he's not in there. What would you say to that guy who's who's trying to manage the tension of okay, I can't spend all of my time in the office, right? But I've but I've got to meet some expectations because that's a real world collision. Yeah. What he's, he's got to manage his time. I would say to him so that he has proximity to the right people at the right time. Hmm. You just said, well, he's not there. He wants coming at 10. So everybody's there and everybody's going, well, he comes in late. He's not there at the end of the day when everybody has to walk out after a hard day of work or somebody wants to drop something off. So he's not in proximity to his team at the right times. Mm, that's good. He could probably have the same amount of hours he needed to do offsite responsibilities if he managed his on-site responsibilities in a better time. Mm. Um, and and so, I, it's impossible to be absent and and have proximity at the same time. It's just mm. a it's an impossibility. So yeah. you can't lead your team without having proximity to them. So I would say get proximity and make a minute feel like an hour, make 10 minutes feel like half an hour, whatever it is, but maximize that time when you have that proximity. And then nobody's going to second guess why you're not here. Because if they have the proximity to you, they're going to be like, oh, wow, he's out there doing this responsibility. Yeah. Thank God he's doing that because that means I get to do this. Yeah, so. yeah, because there are times in ministry when we are more visible and it lets people know that we're available and we're doing some. That's a great word. And really, it's a good bridge into this next idea here. Peter Drucker is quoted as saying, efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. So, mm -hmm. so Brent, what are the benefits of taking steps to become more disciplined in doing the right things with time management? Well, the obvious benefits are if, if, if the consequences, some of those health things, let's just start with that one. I'm healthier when I manage my time. When I manage my time, I exercise. When I manage my time, it actually affects how I eat. Mm -hmm. uh, when I manage my time, I, I don't miss a daddy date with one of my daughters. Or um, if I promised my wife we'd go on a walk or, or take her out, or some, I don't miss those things. If I manage my time, I don't miss a meeting with an important staff member or a donor or a board member. Um, and so I'm relationally healthier, I'm, a, I'm physically healthier, I'm emotionally healthier when I manage my time. And I can't tell you how important it is to dream. I think if a leader is not dreaming, they're slowly dying. Yes. And so when I manage my time, I'm actually creating margin, whether it's in the week, I do it both in a week and over the course of a year. Like I take a couple days at a certain time in the year, but then we also take a little bit of time in the week to just think, to just brainstorm and whiteboard our thoughts out loud and and, and to dream. Um, and I think if there's not a healthy rhythm of dreaming, you're just simply dying slowly. And mm. we, so, so we can feel suffocated. Well, the reason we feel suffocated, the reason we're not dreaming is because we're not managing our time. So I think that's another uh, positive. I, I wanna throw one more out there. And that is, you know, Henrietta Mears wrote years ago in, in a book called, What's the Bible All About? I think she wrote this statement when she was summarizing Ecclesiastes that, um, the way we, and I'm, I'm summarizing, I'm paraphrasing her quotes, so forgive me, but the way we use our time 
is the autobiography of our own souls. Mm. So you literally get to tell a story with your life. That's what God, that's what our stories are. I love the Aborigine proverb from Australia that at the end of your life, all you have is your story. I think they're right. You, you, you just get one life and you just get one story to tell. So you get to write the autobiography of your soul. That's what God lets us do. And if you manage your time well, you get to determine what that story looks like. So there's, I can't blame anybody else for my story. I, can, I, like, I can't help where I was born or if I was born into a bad circumstance or I had parents that were great or parents that were abusive or I, I was born with means or I was born impoverished. I, I can't help those things. But I can determine what kind of story I'll tell out of those circumstances. Mm. So God gives us that privilege. So the other benefit is you get to write the autobiography of your own soul. Now, mm. I'm going to sound, it's a, my example for this one, Scott, it's going to be incredibly self-serving. and I don't mean it to be, but it's so personal. I have to share it. And it's so close to my heart. We, we were, when at the time in which we heard about the three children, these babies that needed a home, was when the whole world was falling apart. And I, I'm, I'm in parachurch ministry world. If people don't come to our programs, we're in trouble. Yeah. So there was no programs last summer. So I was in the middle of having to reinvent with my team. I'm not saying I did it by myself. Our team did it. But reinvent what it looked like to lead through this area, what it, what it looked like to fulfill our mission during this pandemic. And we wanted to adopt these children. And I had signed a, a couple writing contracts prior to the pandemic with uh, Lifeway and didn't realize that none of us knew this pandemic. Was so all of these things happened all at once. And I remember being very overwhelmed um, one night and it was probably 11 o'clock at night. And I worked from, I wrote from, I worked on the book from 10 to two every night. And I did at work, SOU work from eight to about five every day. And then I took a break for from mm. five to tend to be with family. So it was long, long, hard days. And I remember one night going, I don't, I just don't think I can do it. And I looked down on my desk and my, my 13 year old daughter had written a note um, to me, just an encouraging note. And I, I'm not, a, we're Baptists here, so please forgive me, but it was a prophetic word from a 13 year old. Yes. And she just wrote down, SLU will be better than it's ever been because you're working hard, daddy. And, I mm. and I've got that note pinned up on my wall. And I, I literally was so overwhelmed. How are we going to do this? How are we going to manage getting three more kids in this home? Have it going from three to six kids, writing a book, having to manage an organization through a pandemic. She wrote that little note. I put it up on the wall. I've looked at it for over a year. And I, it just, I sat down and what did I do? I just managed my time. I, I mapped out my time. And my plan for the next two months after I got that note, and I sat back at the end of that and I went, okay, this is doable. By the grace of God, this is doable. So I think the benefit would be the things that we don't think are doable are doable if we manage our time correctly. Wow, that is strong. And, and let me just give you my perspective on what I just heard <clears throat> because I was watching, um, I saw a, a social media uh, tag that's been going around uh, one of the um, videos that came out last night and this girl talking about how she had 2% chance of living and she's on American Idol and she sang this song and at the end of it, and I mean, she's dying, she's got cancer all over her body and she's singing at American Idol. <clears throat> at the end of it, they were asking her about it and she said, 
you can't wait until things are really hard before you choose to be happy. That's right. And, and when, I, when I heard you talking just then, in my mind, what I was thinking about is Brent Crow couldn't wait until the moment when things were super difficult and stressful to decide he was going to be a good dad, to decide he was going to be a good leader, to decide that he was going to manage his time well. But the fact that you were managing your time well allowed you to flourish when things were most difficult. Golly, that's good, man. And to recalibrate. I mean, because there's these moments where you, even sometimes when you manage your time, there's just going to be moments where you just get so many curveballs, like yeah. we did last year. And you just sit there at your desk and you do this. You just go, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then, but then, you know, that, that encouragement to me allowed me to recalibrate. It allowed me to back up. Oh, okay. No, no, no. This is this, we can do this. And uh, so thank God for it. But anyways, yeah, yeah. I love that wow. quote from the young lady on American Idol. So good. So, so here's a, uh, let's move to this next section here because, you know, in your opinion, what are, what are some of those, so let's talk, talk we're practical. What are some of those items, those six or eight, 10 items that leaders can waste time on? Do you have some things that you would share? Say, hey, here's some stuff that people are wasting time on and maybe some lessons you've learned to attack that. Yeah. Hold on, Scott. I'll get back to you in just a minute. Um, <laughs> it's uh this is uh, this is going to be uh, both our benefit and our downfall. Um, I I uh, I'm I don't know if you get the reports about every week how much time you spend. I do. I, I think we all do now because we're all part of the Apple cult. We we belong. That's the Antichrist, and it's okay. He's cool with us because he's made our life easier. There you go. That's a joke. If anybody's really paying attention, anyways. There you go. But. I, uh, I really do. I really was convicted when that update came through and I started getting those weekly updates because I then went, okay, five hours, where is that five hours going? And then I would look at it and I would go, dear God, did I look at social media that much? So I think the first thing we got to ask ourselves is what are the distractions in our lives? And because of the time in which we live, a lot of those distractions are related to stuff like this or gaming. It's I mean, I read the other day how the gaming industry, and when I say gaming, I don't mean gambling. I mean, literally, like video game industry makes more money than I think it was like the NFL and NBA combined. It's, yeah. It is this giant force in our culture. And when I was a teenager, gaming was, you know, it was this thing you did on the side. But what happened is it, there was this whole generation that became gamers and it's, it's like this whole nother life that they live, not in a bad way for some of them. Some of them, it's a good hobby. But for some people, it becomes a whole nother life and it can become consuming. So I don't know what those distractions are. So it may be social media. It may be some stupid app that you give too much time to. It may be uh, gaming. It may be. But, so I would say that's one for me. I, I, I would give you a couple character character um, categories uh, just to, in an effort to prepare for this conversation, um, I wrote down when I concern myself with the unimportant, I'm wasting time. Mm -hmm. uh, when I care too much about the irrelevant, I'm wasting time. Um, when, when I allow things that can be good hobbies to take up too much margin in my life, I'm wasting time. Um, and, and so I think those are some categories. I, I think also, um, 
some another consequence is that you don't when you don't manage your time well you don't have clarity and when you don't have clarity you don't have a plan and when you don't have a plan people go i ain't following that guy yes and so i i think that i think and then of course uh elongated conversations are one for me um i found out that there were some conversations where i could i needed to bullet point that bad boy out instead mm -hmm. of staying on for 45 minutes uh and then the last one i wrote down is um lack of sleep like if you don't if you don't one of the consequences is and of course we've mentioned some of that earlier is lack of sleep so those are some categories those are some consequences of uh what happens if you well, let me dip, and let me double click on something here because you're you're bringing up something i literally was just talking thinking about this morning so let me see if i can articulate what was on my mind um you talked about the dream every morning um, that seven to eight before I walk in the office, before I open the door, let people come in. That is think and dream time for me every single morning. Okay. From the time I get up until I allow people to start coming in the office. And I literally was thinking about something this morning. You, you go to the beach and you see the, the waves that are crashing on the shore. Mm -hmm. They look beautiful. There's power. Uh, they can be soothing. You're like, man, this is incredible. Right. Mm -hmm. But then if you've never gone and walked into that, then you realize there's an incredible riptide undercurrent many times that if you are not being aware of it, that it can just suck you back out to sea because it's manageable when you're ankle deep. Yeah. But when it, when it sucks you back out into the ocean, man, it just devours you. And I was thinking about this this morning that I felt like in, in terms of time management and things that we allow ourselves distractions. And for me at one point it was, it could be hunting or, or whatever, fill in the blank. So I feel like a lot of our leaders, and that's what I hope is happening as we're talking here, Brent, is people are pinging, Holy Spirit's pinging in our minds, things that are distractions that are not that important, that could be irrelevant, that are um, keeping us from being all that God wants us to be, right? So let me, let me just target one particular thing, because I heard a guy recently that said, I'm going to work smarter and I'm going to work longer to produce greater results. So here's my question. Can you work smarter and not longer and produce greater? Uh, over the long haul, you can. I think there are seasons of our lives where we got to put our big boy pants on and just go, Get it done. This, this chapter, you know, the, the, the pandemic was a chapter. Now, if we had to live that way for the next 30 years, I'd go do something else. <laughs> 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 but I, I'm halfway joking, but you know, there's, there's, there are seasons where you do just have to, you know what it's, it's, you know, I live in, in Florida and, and one where we live, you can draw a straight line down our backyard and you get to Cape Canaveral. Hmm. And so we get to see all the SpaceX launches. Well, when Elon Musk and his team have their very first manned launch with SpaceX, and think about that. We live in a day and age in which NASA is calling Elon Musk for an Uber ride to the space station. Well, I listened to a couple of interviews uh, leading up to that. He, he was working 80, 90 hours a week because those, those people's lives were in his hands. He had to send them from the ground 200 and whatever, 25 miles up to the space station. So that was a difference. So there are seasons where we're gonna have to go Mm. Mm -hmm. but it, that's the anomaly. It shouldn't be the norm. Mm -hmm. And so if your normal is to manage your time well, 
then you are and 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 work smarter without exceeding uh, a certain number of hours a week or maybe it's not hours for you it's just uh, okay this relationship is suffering or that activity is or my health is suffering you know whatever those things are that shows you you're not managing it well if we are managing it well what will happen inevitably have is we'll expand our capacity over time managing your time well prepares you for the seasons in which there is an influx of activity and you're going to have to put in a little bit more effort so if i'm expanding my time because i'm managing my time well not working longer but working smarter then those moments or chapters that i have to work longer i'm prepared for them they don't kill me and so i think the norm is to work smart have parameters um can i just just a quick word so much of this is driven though uh uh Scott, by our paradigm of discipleship. Mm. I, I really believe that. We manage our times based on what we think about our identities. And we far too long, this is, this is a conversation I'm trying to constantly have with student pastors, is our paradigm for discipleship is learn this, go on a few trips, attend. It's do, 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 do you know, yep. like it, it's very linear in one sense. But what if our paradigm should be pilgrimage? What journey. If, yeah, journey. What if our paradigm for disciple making was I'm on a journey and, and, and my home is the heaven country. So I'm not going to spend my time or waste my time trying to fit in where I don't belong. Most Christians struggle with the power and authority issues in their lives and they waste time because of it because they're trying to fit in where they don't belong. So I actually believe our paradigm for discipleship and disciple making impacts how we steward our time. We won't waste it on frivolous, irrelevant, unimportant, distracting things. Because if I'm on a journey, I really just have one goal. That is to get there. And part of getting there is taking as many people with me as possible. And so I think our paradigm of disciple making would have a big impact. I'll shut up after that because I, that I know is... Uh, that's great. I'm telling you, they're going to be people walk away from the broadcast today and they're going to they're going to write the notes of what you just said down. And I'm telling you, that's one of those thought provoking nuggets that people are going to skull on for the next several days and is just going to leave them better than when they showed up at this broadcast. That is strong, strong. Mm -hmm. And um, let me just kind of pitch it. We're bouncing back and forth here. And if you got some other stuff you want to share, just jump in. But there's one other thing that came to my mind out of a conversation leader uh, a couple of days ago was talking about how he was having a, he was struggling with poor planning. Mm -hmm. It seemed like everything that was coming up, worship service, scheduling time to preach, whatever. He just didn't feel like he was able to plan. And it brought to mind a Abraham Lincoln quote. He said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd mm -hmm. take the first four hours to sharpen the ax. Well, what would you say to that pastor who, that leader, second chair, first chair, whatever, who's struggling with planning, planning a sermon, planning a trip, planning the camp, and they just are having a hard time putting that together. I'd say get a mentor, get a coach. Mm -hmm. You need to be coached up. And there's, there's, I, I, you know, I'm 43 years old. I've been in vocational ministry for over 20 years. I love what I get to do. But if I ever get to a place where I don't need coaching, mm -hmm. God help me, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's arrogance, yes. that's pride. So I've got a mentor. I've got actually a couple of mentors in my life for different things. But if you're struggling with, you get a mentor with your area of, for your area of weakness so they can grow into a strength. 
and you can expand your capacity as a follower of Jesus and leader. And so I would say, if you're struggling, get a mentor. Don't just start going, don't just buy whatever time management thing or download an app that promises all these things about how it's going to help you manage your time. If if pilgrimage is the paradigm for disciple making, then let somebody journey alongside you who does that well. And then out of that, whatever tools and resources you need to get, go out and get. That's great. And I wrote a, I put a post out, I think two weeks ago that said reading allows you to choose your mentor. Mm-hmm. Right. Because sometimes the, the guy you want may not necessarily be available, but you can read and engage that way, which leads me to this question. Um, is, there, is there a resource? Is there a book that you would recommend? And kind of follow up to that is what are you reading right now? And is there a podcast that you listen to? Because we get that question almost through every one of our broadcasts. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 obviously, we prepared ahead of time, Scott. So I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you that I think there are several books that are just kind of must haves to get our mind around time management. One is, forgive me for quoting a Mormon, but the seven high habits of highly effective people by Covey been around forever. Uh, but what a book. I mean, it just, uh, the one minute manager by Ken Blanchard, Dr. Blanchard was, was, was helpful in me going, okay, I'm not maximizing getting tasks done in the small margins in the day that helped me. The effective executive by Peter Drucker, who you quoted earlier, I think is a, is a must. Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Great book. Uh, I require all our team to read the book Lynchpin Before They Come on Staff by Seth Godin. Yes. Um, because I think that uh, is a very helpful book in helping someone understand the type of employee we want them to become, which has a lot to do with how they manage their time, so that they are they're a linchpin in our organization. We look at them and go, wow, we don't want to do this without them. So that's why linchpin was helpful in that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and admit something. I I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a little old school in that in that way. I listen to uh, sermons every week and I listen to stand up comedians, uh, which is you got to be careful with the comedians. Yep. Sometimes you got to be careful with the preachers too. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I listen to people who are good communicators, and I, I found that comedians are some of the best people who have mastered the art of conversing with their audience by pretending to think on their feet when they've actually prepared their material. Mm. And it's a, it's just an art form of being able to connect with the audience. I think good comedians do that well. And then I listen to probably five sermons a week. I mean, I, I enjoy preaching. I listen to it. I, 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 or maybe sometimes it's a lecture on a theological idea or ethical issue. Uh, two books I'm reading right now. Um, Again, this one's not a Christian book, so I'll end with the Christian book so that there's a little saving grace. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just finishing up uh, The Ride of a Lifetime by Robert Iger. He was the uh, for 15 years the CEO of Disney. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Star Wars fan, you like Iger because he got Star Wars for us and Pixar as well. Yep. So uh, anyways, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And, and uh, so, but Iger's is not, um, I don't think he would say he was a naturally born creative mind. He's a businessman, but yet he had to figure out how to come alongside creatives and create culture. So, and he had to problem solve. I mean, so it's phenomenal book. Uh, there are a couple words in it. It's PG, maybe PG 13, some chapters. Um, but there's a lot to glean from his life and leadership. Uh, I'm reading this book right now, Knowing God, J.I. Packer, classic. I've already read it 
a couple times before, read it in college, read it in my 20s. I'm reading it again with a group of students, college students that were working through it. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's one of those books that I think I'll read for the rest of my life. Like I'll pick yeah. that up again and again, like every five years or so I need yeah. to read that book. So those are two books that I'm reading right now. Um, I, I'm so sorry. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good, man. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that, but also there are going to be some people who want to follow you on social media. How can they catch you? What's your handle on social media? At Brent A. Crow. The A is important, Brent A. Crow, because I get into the social media game a little late and a middle schooler at a camp got at Brent Crow and just posted about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a year. So uh, I'm at Brent A. Crow on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And I think that's the only three I'm on. So Rock on. Buddy, thank you for jumping on with us. Thanks for sharing some of those nuggets about time management and uh, folks can catch you with SLU on social media to, to follow and to learn some more things there. And, and thank you folks for listening, joining the broadcast as well. Let me leave you with a thought here from Alexander Graham Bell. He was an agnostic an inventor of the telephone. And he once said, concentrate all your thoughts upon the work at hand. After all the sun's rays do not burn until brought into focus. Well, that's what effective time management will do for you. And I hope that you pick something up. I hope it, hope it helps you lead better and uh, we'd love to hear what your takeaway from today's broadcast. So leave that in the comments from Dr. Brent Crow. And I want to say a thank you to Ray Sullivan, who's producing for us today and for your all around just being awesome. And uh, thanks again for engaging. And my prayer is that you will go and make world impacting disciple makers. Amen. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship the number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleshipshifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers. <music>